Hello, hello, and welcome. You're listening to the Version 4 Podcast, and I am First Laloon. This is episode 7. This episode is probably coming out late. Actually, by probably, I mean it's definitely coming out late, but I apologize. Um, there are excuses that I could make. Uh, mostly just started feeling like shit, and I wasn't able to put out anything that sounded good. Uh, so I dumped it and re-recorded it, and blah, 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 blah. doesn't really fucking matter. Okay, what's the, so, now, I don't fucking know, see, I'm already stuttering, but, you know, when it comes to moments like this, and you can't find yourself coming up with good content or whatever, um, you could do what I ended up doing, and it ended up turning out pretty well, actually, it was, you know, just take a couple days, and, like, read, and, you know, read and check out, like, what is being passed off as quality content in the year 2020, and then you get, you know, a better sense that, oh yeah, everything's fucking trash, and since everything's so fucking trash, and they're kind of like peddling it as quality, I should probably be less hard on myself, and, you know, just keep, keep pressing on, keep on pushing on, right? If I could read a fucking mainstream article that's, like, alleged to be this, like, you know, quality publication, I can't exactly remember the publication, but it definitely was a quality one, I remember specifically being like, oh, okay, there's an article on this so-and-so site, they typically, they're considered to be prestigious, even though I fucking hate blue checks on the whole, you know, it can't be that bad, right, and then I read the fucking article, I'm like, this is, like, it's clear that a fucking 21-year-old who hasn't, doesn't know shit about anything wrote this as, like, you know, a quota, because they have to put out 500 words in their fucking, uh, whatever firm, and, you know, some 21-year-old wrote this, and with without even the slightest shred of fucking competency, right? The it's we're at the point where like you know they tell you not to read, and not to what's it called not to like judge an article based off like the headline, right? But we've kind of hit the hit like a you know a a uh, I guess this is like Baudrillard I guess like like the I'm now terminology is escaping me, but we're like the object, the, uh, the simulate, the simulacra is kind of imitating itself, like that second order simulation, right? Or, like, now, instead of it being, like, a quality article and then there's, like, clickbait title, now it's, like, there's a clickbait title and the fucking post that's supposed to be quality and use the title as simply a means to get you interested is now simply just, like, 500 words or a thousand words that restate the fucking article. It's like a fucking college essay where it's, like, Clearly, you wrote this 30 minutes before it was due, and clearly, you and not a single shred of information has been was provided in this article. But that's fine. This is good. It's cool, right? Because if this is what you're fucking doing, right, then I don't need to feel like shit when I can't come up with like super quality fucking pieces, right? I guess so, right? That's what I. Sh- that's how I should feel. I should be like, oh, you know what? If the, if mainstream. Situate if like mainstream fucking quality people can't are putting out hot dog shit. If fucking movie execs are putting out hot dog shit, then who am I to sit here and judge myself within a fucking inch of my life because I can't put out the the vision that was in my head for the episode didn't come out the way it did, and I ended up like scrapping it and then fucking feeling sorry for myself and then watching Haikyuu for like three days, which was a fucking dope ass show. Um, but that's besides the point. The point here is, um, I've had enough time to think about my original idea and to realize that it was, it was, something was missing, right? So originally I was going to do an episode on anime, right? And then I was, as I was recording the episode, I started to feel like this is a really Reddit fucking episode, right? And I was like, Reddit, the Reddit, Reddit is the enemy first and foremost. Um, Reddit, well, I mean, we all had a phase back in, like, I mean, not all, because a lot of you guys are Zoomers, but if you're, like, around my age, we, there was a decade or so where Reddit was, at the beginning of the 20, no, not even then, yeah, I guess, like, the beginning of the 2010s, like, from 2008 until, like, 2012, Reddit was legitimate website, right, the Obama, the, the last day that Reddit was good, was the, now and the, whatever the last day that Reddit had any semblance of um, 
credibility was the was the Obama ask me anything. Once Obama did the ask me anything, um, eternal September happened to to a degree that had never been seen before. So eternal September, if you don't know, is a concept from message boards, and it was a it's you can look it up. But like if I remember the story correctly, basically it was some message board, and they realized that around September every year, the quality of the message board dramatically decreased and the reason for this is that kids came back from school or kids started school or something or they came back it has something to do with school right and so there's a lot of there's an influx of new college of new you know students and the new students brought in with them shitty ideas and shitty questions and blah 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 so the quality you know started to spiral and every september the quality dramatically dropped right uh, the thing about Reddit is Reddit, because of the way it's designed, has it once it hits a certain once uh, a subreddit. There's so many. Essentially, I mean, if you, I can't imagine, you don't know what Reddit is, but there's so many subreddits that once they hit that, there's uh, for a small portion of its existence, it's able to have that niche uh, network effect, right? Where there's actually like good content, but there was especially back then. I don't know, about, I don't think any subreddit has this now. But back in 20, 2008 to 2012, there was a, there were, there were once a subreddit was below, as long as the subreddit was below like 50k people, there'd be good posts and like really informative posts. Because what would happen would, would be a subreddit would pop up, it'd start to get popular, and then a more niche version of that subreddit would show up and it would splinter off. And the niche version of the subreddit would be interesting and then yada yada yada, the, the process continues. All right, but once it hits about the 50k tipping point, the the September effect happens um, in faster and faster iterations. So it's and they started to coin the term eternal September, and it's pretty, basically that tipping point where every where after this point, every fucking post that's posted on there that gets any kind of traction is going to be shit. Um, and you know we see this in a lot of um, yeah, this is basically this is an effect that you see all the time. Not just in message boards, but you also see this effect happen with like, you know, sometimes, you know, once a musician gets famous, they try to recreate the same thing that made them famous or with like accounts on Twitter. Once they start to get popular, they just recreate that same thing. And to a certain extent, this is an inevitable, uh, invariable, like eventuality for pretty much any account or any kind of content but you can take measures against it right sometimes you have your the way that i've seen that people take measures against that they either they either they do pretty much one of two things they either try to stay indie and they like forego any chance of like ascension right so they try to stay niche and they stay niche by gatekeeping effectively right so you can gatekeep in the sense of like like where ways to gatekeep in like twenty twenty would be like um, it's sort of effective like with four chan for example they like use racism or like ever involving inner inside jokes and stuff like that that's a way to gatekeep uh, in video games I guess they make there's a difficulty spike I guess that's a gatekeeping method but effectively gatekeeping is the way that you keep this process from happening it's like a preventative measure. Um, or you could do like kind of like a Bowie or like a My Chemical Romance or something and try to, and with every iteration, just reinvent yourself. That way you can grow as an artist or grow as a community without this eternal September effect happening. I'm trying to think of a community that did this. Um, I, I have a hard time thinking of like a website or community that's like done this. Yeah, I can't think of a community that's done this, but for you can uh, this parallel exists with like pretty pretty firmly with like art and like artists and stuff. Um, JoJo is another example. If you enter anime, JoJo like whenever it started off as a really nineteen eighties, you know, adult antagonist centric like end of the 19, end of the 90s like anime piece which is a lot like Fist of the North Star where it's like rugged and then as like your Dragon Ball type of series showed up they switched it up to stay relevant in the bat in like the in like the 90s um and then that start, that formula started to get 
the aesthetic started to change to more slice of life, and then as that started to get stale, it reinvented itself as like an adult series, and now it has considered one of the best story arcs, which I have not gotten to, but allegedly Steel Ball Run is considered one of the best comic book story arcs ever. So when I get to that, I'll get to it, but JoJo's is not my particular favorite series. It has a lot of fun moments, but I don't really like it that much. I like I like it, but I hate it at the same time, and it's, it's a slog to get through. But like after I read... You know, after you finish a section, you have all the memes with you, and now it's like a very meme. It's I don't know. It's fucking weird. I don't. I don't. It's very zoomer. Um, but anyway, that's besides the point. Um, so I felt like the episode that I was creating was becoming very Reddit, and that's as since Reddit is the enemy of all things quality, right? And everything on the internet has become Redditized. It's very important to me that I don't just put out Reddit bullshit. It's critical, and and the anytime I start to feel like my episode is becoming very reddity, I try my best to deviate from that. So, what do you mean by reddity? Reddity is like uh, clickbaity, soy, or like cape shit. Like because I was talking about like or like consume like a what's the term? Is it consumer capitalism? What's the term with a uh, consumer fetish? Con- commodity fetishism commodity fetishism I can't say that word so commodity fetishism if, and now correct me and I know you will in, um, if I'm wrong but it's a idea from Marx right and Marx essentially decided that um, in with the absence of like deeper I guess with, with the shallowness of like a capitalist culture ultimately people start to identify by the brands that they buy Right, and that's pretty much everyone does that in, in America. We're, we're very familiar with commodity fetishism, um, but I think, but like we've hit like the Baudrillard into like the like the simulation of that, where it's like we're not even like your straight up like Ford versus Chevy type of commodity fetishism that people had, or like I'm a Coke versus a Pepsi person. Now it's like not only is it like a commodity fetishism, but like we've we've started to believe the lie that your commodity choices are real and that your that your like your purchases like that you're like for example being like a Marvel fan is a real thing and like or like trying to make politics out of these consumer choices or whatever um and so Reddit is effectively the mecca like of commodity fetishism it's just kind of like everyone's like Every subreddit is effectively the most popular ones, especially are effectively just you know uh, subreddits designed around like some fucking commodity or some fucking identity you have, which is loosely or very closely related to some commodity purchase. And it's and it, and it's not a coincidence that Reddit is also owned by Condé Nast. Like it's they pretty much explicitly shill stuff on Reddit. And you know we also know about the Ghislaine Maxwell sh- like doing sex trafficking on Reddit. Back in the early day, back in the days when I was on Reddit, uh, like in the 2008 days when it was R jailbait and R, uh, what the fuck are those? A febophile on R, all those like, uh, those like not safe for work, like teen interest, like you know, you know, like kind of borderline pedo fucking subreddits where they were just Lane Maxwell was like legitimately doing sex trafficking on but like no one talks about that or that and like the CEO of Reddit pretends like they, they weren't at like she wasn't at all their events but you know whatever Reddit's always been for soy pedophile creeps but we'll get we'll talk about that more in the next section um because the real issue with Reddit and it's and it's more than just the com- the, the commodity fetishization it's the lack of a the adultification of uh that the internet brings out reddit is the perpetual childhood nostalgia pit of despair this fucking like hell designed around your inability to transcend and become or ascend i guess and become an adult that's what reddit is and reddit is the antithesis of anything quality there's nothing there's not a single shred of quality on reddit there's not a single shred of viable information all the people there that frequent it are trash or idiots or children and do not and it you it is your enemy um but anyway continue with that in a little bit
Okay, I'm back. So, the... So, as I, I left off with saying that, like, Reddit's the enemy and Reddit is the... Um, Reddit is effectively, like, childhood... It's Peter Pan syndrome. Um, um, I don't know if Peter... It's not Peter Pan syndrome. I know that... I think there's, like, a legitimate diagnosis of Peter Pan syndrome that's, like, a dwarfism or something that has, like, a nickname, Peter Pan syndrome. But it's not that. Peter Pan syndrome, in this sense, is the... Um, the refusal to become an adult, right? And more so than just our culture, um, I mean, because to a large degree, American culture does idolize and fetishize like uh, um, adolescence, right? It, it, it. I mean, we invented things like the teenager, for example. That is like American culture in and of itself is the 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 is idolization of teen of being a teenager of like an extended form of childhood of arrested development that is what american culture is kind of based around um to a large degree but more so than simply the existence of like a teenager and simply the existence of idolization of teenage and like adolescence is the refusal to grow up and this refusal to grow up is also enabled by the fact that we don't have a coming of age ritual in America right so many cultures around the world I don't know if I mentioned this at this point in this podcast but whatever um not this particular episode but the existence of the podcast as whole doesn't really matter um many cultures especially traditional cultures have a a Benchmark in which you create, you do this like transformative ritual, and once you've completed the ritual, you are as recognized by yourself and by everyone else in the tribe and adult, right? So you can think about those like Amazonian tribes who put their hands in that like bullet ant thing, or like um, I think it's like Spartans. It was maybe Spartans where they put you out in the wilderness by yourself, naked, with a bunch of other boys to survive for a certain length of time. I, I feel like that happened. That could also just be something I watched in anime. Um, or like, uh, another ritual would be like the, um, with the Jews, with the, um, uh, with their bar mitzvah slash bat mitzvahs where they like, there's like a whole schooling process you have to go through and you have to do some memorization, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what the whole ins and outs of a bar mitzvah, but ultimately at the end of it, your ritual is complete and you have this like, coming out ceremony um this coming of age ceremony and then afterwards you're recognized as an adult and then some other cultures have this too where it's like in latino culture there's like the quinceanera and after that quinceanera the, the girls of marriageable age so she can begin dating for example there you know every a lot most traditional societies have some this to some degree but the, the issue the issue with things like america and like with you know especially with the, the secularization of many societies, these these rituals are lost, right? So, um, especially when you consider America as, like, a relatively novel country. Um, and, again, as I said before, we also have things like the teen... Like, the, we created the existence of, like, the teenagers. So, in our culture, the closest thing to, like, a male coming-of-age ritual would be, like, losing your virginity, and that's why there's so many, like, movies, and that's, like, the plot of, like, American Pie, or, like, this is, like, you know, the joke in many shows, and there's, like, typically subplots about teenagers trying to lose their virginity, because ultimately, this is what creates a man, evidently, but in that's kind of the furthest thing from the truth as we all know and many have experienced like we kind of treat it as like a in an indirect form of the coming of age ritual but it's not difficult for one right it's one of the one of the defining qualities of a true coming of age ritual is that it's hard right there's a sense of accomplishment after you've done it because it's difficult when it comes to like you know losing your virginity, it kind of just happens for one and two it's not actually hard there's like only there's like maybe an inner battle that you experience where you have to kind of like get over yourself get over your like fear maybe and like ask the girl out or like you know but then it's it ultimately after that just momentum right and ultimately eventually it happens or like you just don't look like a slob right and then some chicks into you eventually and then it kind of happens right it's not like it's a overt task that you have to fulfill in fact the i would argue that having to like over the over 
thinking about it to such a degree is actually what makes it difficult and then you're actually just shooting yourself in the foot I would I would argue but that's beside the point the point is there's no overt um, ritual in our society and because there's no overt coming of age ritual um, there is um, there's two it kind of has two consequences right so to one to one extent there is the Peter Pan syndrome where people are choose to never grow up right and society enables that because a from a capitalist perspective it is great when you're you know if you don't ever grow up because you're you try to find the fulfillment um, elsewhere and you pay for shit right um secondary and they can show you things like nostalgia right um but there's also the 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 other consequence of not just like an anxiety about becoming an adult and like running away from it and trying to find yourself as a child there's also the issues that there is no because there's no coming of age ritual there's like things where like people don't even when they want to be an adult they don't really know how to be an adult per se and they also kind of just get caught in that same ambiguous trap right um this is why you see things like hashtag adulting from chicks on like instagram um so there's that whole thing but besides that um oh another example would be like how there ends up being a fusion of the childhood in the adult matter so it's like why you see like you'll see like um Congress people re- use Harry Potter as reference and calling like Trump Dumbledore, uh, not Dumbledore, fucking Voldemort, or like chicks at protests with fucking Harry Potter signs, or like dudes who are like grown ass fucking men referring like who can only speak in like cape shit metaphors. And again, all these things are fine and of themselves. It's not it's not inherently bad or wrong to like Harry Potter or to like Marvel or whatever. Like, I like all those things to some degree. I, I don't like Harry Potter, but, like, I, I like all those things to some degree, right? The issue is that there's no division from the child to the adult in our society. And with every passing day, this this ambiguity, this murkiness is only exacerbated even more, okay? And this kind of creates a never-ending childhood effect, the, this Peter Pan syndrome. And, we're all become, and we all become the lost boys who have no ability, who can never grow up, right? And I guess in this case, the society as a whole is Wendy who's enabling us. Um, And that's that's an issue. Um, And I guess to make this an even further, more extended metaphor, uh, the, I don't know the name of the island in, is it called the Island of the Lost Boys? Reddit is like the Island of the Lost Boys, if that's what it's called. I don't know what the fuck it's called. That's well. That's Reddit, um, and yeah, I guess we can extend this metaphor even further if we really want to. But I'm, this is not a fucking. I'm not here to make a fucking extended metaphor about Net Peter Pan. But we all, you know, there's there are really interesting aspects of Peter Pan. Like, for example, the crocodile that's like coming after Captain Hook with the ticking clock of like inevitability in it, whatever. But I haven't seen that movie in like literally 20 years, so I couldn't I couldn't do this justice if, even if I wanted to. Um, but the issue is like why are why are they so why are like people in the whole and especially my generation of like millennials why are so afraid to grow up and it's because of the lack of certainty of our future right like the future has always been uncertain but to some extent American culture had a degree of certainty to it right for the boomers for example the economy was on the ups, upswing um people knew that if they invested in the system that they would have an outcome that would probably be better than their predecessors right the issue with millennials in my generation in particular like we've been hit with one calamity after another and now it's not to the degree of like you know the middle ages or something where it's or like the crusades where we're all going off to war and shit but it's like you know you grow up you go to college and you're hit or you're growing up and you and you experience like the 2008 crash first of all I guess you hit you have 9-11 which fucks with everything then you have like the 2008 crash and then you go to college and you're hit with like the student loan debt bubble and then you're hit with fucking like this corona shit like you know there's 
um, we we know that there's probably not going to be social security. We know that housing, there's you know it's, and these are all excuses to some degree. But on the whole, look, my generation is kind of defined by this lack of like faith in the future of society, and it's manifesting as like people being fucking super cringe in a variety of a variety of ways that I don't think has ever been seen before. Right? I'm sure Zoomers are going to be just as bad if not worse. So don't worry about. Don't worry about that if you're a millennial. But the um, they're afraid. The more uncertain the future becomes, the more appealing nostalgia becomes, and consequently, you find yourself where we're being peddled nostalgia, nostalgia at every corner, right? Most notably, like the um, the Travis Scott McDonald's meal. And like the advertisings, the advertisements surrounding that, where it's like the nostalgic McDonald's aesthetic, and the nostalgic playpen, whatever, and like all the nostalgic, like you know, lunchbox and shit. Like all, the entirety of that scheme is peddled towards people of my generation, where they're like, where they take like a you know, a rapper like Travis Scott, who again would appeal to people of my age combine that with like a McDonald's thing and they kind of sell you this bullshit fucking hamburger that's effectively just a quarter pounder with lettuce and bacon added right like that is like quintessential nostalgia peddling or like re the the endless sea of fucking remakes of shit that we saw that we saw when we were younger and they just redo it and worse right so we have like remake of every horror movie, remake of every fucking comic book movie, remake of every fucking Disney movie we've seen. All these things are being remade and they're being peddled back to us so that we can quote unquote share it with like our kids that we don't have. Right? You know what I mean? Um, so that's the enemy, right? This is all of society is kind of designed to keep you not society, not designed, but all society is enabling your ability to escape from the adultification process. And it is to kind of like tie it into a lot of what this podcast is about. Um, not just this episode, but on the whole, like the idea of this podcast is to kind of like steer the future of very online people away from things like the Reddit, basically to steer people away from being Reddit as fuck, right? To being cringe from being Reddit. We don't want that. We want to become the aristocracy of the net of the of the net want to be the netocratic elite right that is the point of the, this podcast and it's finding interesting voices who have interesting shit to say to kind of like steer you in that direction right so if you're trying to avoid reddit and avoid being enabled that means you we have to find a means of ascending and a means of having our coming of age ritual that since there is not one in society and what does this mean I don't particularly know I, I mean obviously I can't just come up with a ritual that, that doesn't have any real um, satisfaction right it's not as if I just make the ritual up it doesn't matter but since there is no ritual we have to do our best to just take this moment as like I'm an adult now and since I'm an adult now what does that mean for my behavior online what does that mean for my behavior in life moving forward, etc.? Now, this is not to mean that adulthood in the internet age is not necessarily and definitely won't be the same as like boomerism. I'm not saying you should be a boomer, but there is a degree to which responsibility, integrity, um, etc., whatever adulthood really means, needs to be applied to your online self. Selves, plural if you have alts and stuff. Um, I don't know. This is the, yeah, basically, Reddit's cringe. We need to find the adulthood. We need to be more adult. Um, and that doesn't mean trolling. That doesn't mean you can't watch anime. None of that shit. I think actually the appeal of anime is in the way in which they give that adult in the aspiration to younger to like shonen protagonists um and I think I'll talk more of that in the next section alright
is kind of what I wanted to make the original episode about. Um, but it, I started to fall very heavily into like Reddit, the Reddit energy of like commodity fetishism. And that's what, and that's again, what I'm trying to avoid. Right. Um, so hopefully I still pull it off, but there's a lot of talk, especially in like the right wing part of the internet. That's always like, why is it that these like, you know, otherwise macho, like bodybuilder types are really into anime. Why is it? that the most racist accounts are those anime avatar accounts or whatever. Um, why is it like, why is anime such a big thing, especially amongst dudes in the West? And I think, and it's always been, it's been, I mean, I, I, I've grown up liking it my whole life, so I have a bit of experience on the topic, but I think it's because of the, other than the obvious, right, that there's a lot of action, there's a lot of fights in them, there's... Um, a continuous storyline. So, like Amer- American cartoons didn't don't really have adult themes or continuous storylines. They are typically um, a flavor of the week type of things, where it's like or monster of the week things, um, which is like a term from Scooby Doo, or like they're always self-contained storylines in twenty-two minutes or whatever, however long cartoons are, and they happen every week, so that anyone can show up anytime without having any prior knowledge about the series and understand what's going on. It is very rare, especially in older cartoons, for there to be an overarching theme or plot, right? So when you're, you know, and if there is action, it's typically limited, right? So it's like some scuffle that happens for like twelve seconds, right? It's not like it's a defining key of the show, even in action-oriented shows. Um, so when you're, you know, eight years old, nine years old, ten years old, and you're watching cartoons, and all of a sudden you see like a Dragon Ball Z or something that dedicates multiple twenty-two minute-long episodes solely to a fight, then you go, "Holy shit!" the The level of tension, the level of uh, peril, whatever, is dramatically increased especially when you're that young and impressionable, when a fight and a conflict is um, focused on for that long, right? It, it really feeds into that, like, male primal urge for, like, combat or for, like, competition or whatever. Like, so it really speaks to boys, right? So leaving putting that part aside, which I think is undeniable, and that's why a lot of people get into it anime to begin with is just and especially people who don't get into it particularly deep and like maybe like one show like they might only like Naruto they might only like Dragon Ball Z or whatever shows that do this or they only like because there are shows that definitely transcend this um like Dragon Ball Z uh, is has transcended anime it doesn't really have it feel like anime to a lot of people Yu-Gi-Oh is another one where it's transcended and Pokemon those are like three shows that are so pivotal to American culture that they don't, that people would forget that they're anime. Like, even I forget that they're anime half the time. And I've read the source material, right? Um, but there is a, there's something to be said about, um, not just that there's an overarching continuous storyline or that there's a lot of action. The thematic elements of anime are what really hooks you and keeps you there, right? So, sure. I, let me point out the obvious that there is a lot of things that aren't particularly adult, right? There's a lot of those like harem style shows. shows. There's a lot of the big titty 2D anime waifu shit. There's a lot of like, um, you know, there's a, the aesthetic can often be childish. There's ways to redditize literally anything, right? But if you notice much about Reddit, even there are, there are definitely anime subreddits. Reddit is not anime friendly. Um, on the whole, I would say Reddit is pretty anti-anime. They're very pro-animation. They love cartoons. They love Steven's Universe. They love Rick and Morty. They love um, Marvel and DC cartoons. Like, the Batman animated series is probably really popular. I don't know for sure. And while there is definitely anime references, like Naruto, like, but they don't... Reddit is not overall, on the whole, friendly to anime. And the reason for that is because, again, it fosters ideas that they do not like. Anime, if you watch enough, I mean, if you watch really any fucking series, that's, I, I mean, it's really, I'm really hard-pressed to find a series that doesn't speak to the themes I'm about to get to. But all the themes in pretty much any major success, 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 successful series that gets an anime adaptation 
they all have themes that are pretty universal, right? So first and foremost, they all have themes of hard work versus talent. That is the core of any shonen anime. I've, I've, I don't think I've seen any one that does not have this. So there's typically um, in anime a, rival, a rivalry. It's it's a it's a theme. It's a it's a plot device that they really like and enjoy. And like for example, there's a lot of editor notes. Like if you get into a series like Naruto, for example, when he first imagined it, he didn't have the rival character of Sasuke that wasn't in there, right? They add this to any shonen series, shonen meaning a uh, young boy, so like teenage boy series, whatever, right? Um, and then there there are different classifications, but we can get that's not really important right now. But they always put a rivalry, and typically the rivalry is defined by a main, one main selling point. There's typically a failure. And there's typically a, a natural born genius. And typically the difference between the failure and the natural born genius, the reason why this rivalry works is because the failure is typically born with absolutely no natural ability. Maybe like one quirk, for example, that allows him to like succeed, right? Um, in fact, the term quirk is literally used in a series like My Hero Academia. Um, but like in Haikyuu, for example, which is a series I just watched, it's like about volleyball that has absolutely no supernatural elements in it. The the defining feature of Hinata, the main character, is that he's really, really determined and love truly loves the game of volleyball, and he will work harder than anybody else until he's the best. Right? That's his defining feature. Meanwhile, his rival Kageyama is a natural born genius who's also works very hard but it's because he works very hard because he is an again a natural born genius at the the sport and also is just in love with it as well so this rivalry is able to manifest because it's the hard work and determination versus natural born genius and also determination right this same thing is seen in dragon ball z for example between goku and vegeta you know yeah, in this case, Goku's the natural-born talent, and Vegeta's also a natural-born talent, but less so, right? Or you have um, Naruto and Sasuke, as I said before. Naruto is the also kind of a natural-born talent, but we, they, don't, they try to downplay it, and he shows hard work and determination because he's a fail. He's overall a failure versus Sasuke, who is a genius, and he continues to be a genius the entire show. And that dynamic's often played up. Um, so you get the point, right? The other theory, the other thing that's in these series is the is that you follow typically follow a single continuous plot of this failure character through overwhelming hard work and determination, moving slowly or slow, slowly towards their goal, right? They always have some lofty goal that has never been that is ridiculous to everyone they talk to. They have, so like, you know, your Luffy wants to be the king of the pirates, Naruto wants to be the Hokage, etc., etc. They always have some crazy goal, and everyone they talk to thinks they're fucking insane for it. And you watch the progression through sheer determination and hard work of this singular character who's told no at every possible chance, at every possible corner, he's progressing, and he's slowly changing the minds of the people around him. Right? This, this this determination and hard work in the face of adversity as they approach a goal is the core of pretty much every shonen series i mean every shonen series from dragon ball z on it 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 doesn't exist prior to dragon ball z and yu Hakusho. that didn't really exist um i don't even think it's in yu Yu Hakusho. yeah it doesn't really exist before dragon ball z dragon ball z kind of created that template but once it became once it showed itself it is never left this anime so there's that and there's um also there's a quality to every show that they all have the other quality to every show is that they all have a mentor right and there's typically a student teacher mentor mentee relationship that shows itself um and this is another one of and it's usually the main emotional relationship centerpiece of the series outside of the rivalry between you know the, the protagonist and his 
I guess, antagonist. It's not really typically a true antagonist, but between that and his rival, there is a mentor-mentee relationship that's typically the centerpiece of the, of the show and is often played up very heavily, more so than... And this stands in stark contrast to, like, a Western series that would definitely not have a mentor, mentee. I mean, it's very few and far between, like, to the point where, like, Mr. Miyagi is considered, is, like, a staple of Western culture because this exists, or, like, Obi-Wan Kenobi is a staple of Western culture because this mentor-mentee relationship shows itself. There are not many series that have or Yoda and Luke Skywalker or... Um, like again, I'm I'm trying to think, and I'm I'm really pressed to try to come up with another major uh, mentor-mentee relationship. See, like, and this doesn't exist in, our, in Western culture that heavily, right? And note that at least one of those was Japanese. Mr. Miyagi is a Japanese uh, mentor, right? But mentor-mentee relationships are fundamental to our to growing up, and it's and it's a it's a innate desire, especially in men, to want to have a mentor, right? You look them out. You, you seek them out, right? And this is part of the reason why academia is so important or, like, apprenticeship is so important. And it, and it's why men often, you know, bury themselves other than, like, their own in, innate purpose. They bury themselves in their work because they're looking and they look up to people, right? We, we all understand as, like, a core of male psychology to, like, look up to, like, a father figure. That's understood by everyone, even if that mentor-mentee relationship isn't often played up in Western media. But in Eastern media, and on anime specifically, it is very heavily emphasized. In every major series, we can name the mentor-mentee, right? Yu Hakusho is Genkai and Yusuke and Naruto. He is, um, what's his face? Jiraiya, and whereas Goku has Roshi. Um, and this is in every series. Like, and if they don't have one at the beginning, they they get one later on. This mentor-mentee relationship has to exist at some point, um, even if it's a little more ambiguous, right? Like in in Haikyuu, there's not one, but he finds and seeks out mentors at different f- f- phases of the series, right? And this is a very critical thing because again, we're speaking to this mentor-mentee relationship speaks to the adultification process, as I mentioned earlier. Insofar as the the mentor only exists because they've crossed some boundary or threshold or hurdle that the protagonist has not done so yet. And that is critical in understanding what the appeal is in this in, in these series. Um and then of course there's like the the honor culture again, which again it, it kind of feeds it it's it's feeds into and it's the reason why the mentor mentee relationship is played up so much because again in J- in Japanese culture there's uh, hierarchy is very important. Rigid hierarchies are are built into the language, right? So like in high school, underclassmen refer to upperclassmen as senpai because they're older. Um, your your teachers, your sensei, blah blah blah. There's there's honorifics that are added to the end of when you address people. Um, to, to display their rank with relative to you. It's, it, this happens not just with, like, you're in a professional setting, but even with your siblings and, like, people who are just your friends. Like, if you're unfamiliar with them, you have to refer to them based on age and rank and respect and honor and shit like that, right? So this hierarchy is a desire that is is in Western culture, but it's not in our language, so that's missing. And it's also downplayed, especially in American culture, especially with as democracy and you know and egalitarianism and ideas of relativism pervade culture um hierarchy is being admonished right a hierarchy is seen as patriarchal hierarchy is seen as colonialism colonialist and it's being removed at every possible opportunity by you know left-wing types right it is being it is seen currently is not is seen as a remnant of a patriarchal past, right? And especially when you throw in things like the internet, which are leveling hierarchies all around and democratizing literally everything from a technological standpoint, it is, there is a growing gap uh, and, a, and a growing need for hierarchy and the desire towards hierarchy, um, especially in the male consciousness and 
there are very few places to get that, especially when you know jobs are being replaced by technology, especially when you don't see much opportunity on the horizon because of you know maybe massive immigration or your lack of skills or this and the other thing. So where are you going to go and look for it? And one of the key places, other than sports, other than weightlifting, other than competition of these sorts, if in your in your recreation, there are things like anime that play up and emphasize and 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 extol the value of hierarchy and of these masculine traits. Okay, and uh, I'll be back in a little bit to kind of wrap things up. Okay, so to wrap this up, where we're at right now. So the beginning of this was to talk about ratification as the enemy. Talk about the adulthood process. We're talking about the adulthood process and how the process of coming of age, the process of embracing that you are an adult in an age that does not, that enables your arrested development and ultimately how anime plays into that and why it's so appealing to many people, especially of millennial and Zoomer generations. And I think a lot of this is, again, other than the traits I already spoke of, the qualities of the stories that I've already spoke of, I think a lot of this also plays into the defining trait, the defining masculine adult trait that needs to be emphasized and needs to be cultivated in everyone. And I think I speak... I can speak from a place of experience, especially with respect to this podcast, um, in that, like, I had a breach of, oh, before I get to that, um, the, the defining idea, the defining masculine trait that, that it needs to be emphasized is integrity. And now I had a thread, I had a conversation on, about this the other day on Twitter and the first, and someone posted this like really fucking resentment slave morality bullshit about how oh you know um I 
have so much integrity, but uh, I'm unsuccessful with women, and I'm and it's the most fucking juvenile, childlike understanding, I've like of integrity. First of all, you don't have integrity. That's the first and foremost. Integrity is the in it it inescapably. There is invariably the truth that integrity is the most important and it's the most defining trait amongst anyone who is successful with women or otherwise. Anyone you've ever met who is successful has this trait in spades. I don't care what anyone says. And the discussion I had um, veered off into the direction of how uh, I'm wrong essentially because dark triad traits are is um, disproportionately found in successful people and that's uh, the truth of that is dubious at best, right? I think that maybe disproportionately sure it is the case that these traits exist, especially like Machiavellianism in particular. But integrity is the trait that is universally experienced amongst anyone who's successful. And what do I mean by that? It's important to understand that integrity is not a moral claim, right? You can be immoral and still have high levels of integrity. Prime example of that being the Yakuza or like the Mafia. Um, you can be Machiavellian and still have high levels of integrity. A prime example of that being like Hillary Clinton, for example, or like the Clintons or politicians in general, where they'll, yeah, they'll demonstrate like one thing to your face, but they'll demonstrate to their constituencies, for example, some perceived whatever. They'll, they'll lie to their the constituency um, in order to you know, further their own ends, but it's not that they're not demonstrating integrity. They're demonstrating integrity probably still to the people who truly back them, right? So it's like, let's take Clinton, for example, because she's such a notable figure. It would be, it, it is naive and truly dumb of you if you don't think that she's, demon, like, if she makes a promise or a commitment to, like, say, Wall Street backers or whomever the powers that be are, that she won't follow through. We all know if you vote her in, that she's lying to you, a powerless pleb, right, about what she'll do in office, we do know for a fact, and everyone knows that she's going to further globalist, meaning she's going to push, you know, trade deals, she's going to stuff the pockets of the people who, on Wall Street, who pay her $600,000 to speak, you don't get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to speak, um, at events of private private events, you don't make billionaire friends, etc. If you aren't following through on your plans and on the uh, commitments you make to those people, if you are within the Clinton's inner circle, if you're within the inner circle of the Yakuza, if you're within the inner circle of the mafia, and they make a commitment to you, they will get 100% follow through on that commitment. And this person, again, couldn't differentiate the moral claim about integrity being a moral virtue um, idea regarding that you're in you have integrity if you demonstrate virtue and they couldn't differentiate integrity as like a behavior that that you follow through in your plans because you're incentivized to do so and I think that that's again naive right and I think that the to think that is demonstration is all the demonstration you need to understand that they don't have integrity. And why do I say that? And the, the reason for that is if you think that someone only maintains their integrity because they want to get something out of it, if they only demonstrate that they'll follow through on their words if you provide incentive, it shows that they don't have integrity intrinsically. They are only demonstrating morality because they think that there is a... Um, positive outcome on the other side. They think there's a reward for their morality, right? It's like to to base it back to the original tweet. The guy thinks that he needs to demonstrate high integrity because women are, are attracted to the trait of integrity. He thinks that women should want to have sex with him because he demonstrates integrity. This is the same idea as like the 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 friend zone, for example. Oh, I'm showing that I'm a good person you should want to sleep with me, which inherently means that you're not a good person and you don't actually believe anything you're saying. And it's this dis, this lack of congru uh, congruity, congruence, lack of congruence between their internal state and the actions they're showing, which is what makes them lack integrity. Okay, it's, it's a little bit, it's a subtle point, but it's very important. 
people who have high levels of integrity, the reason they have high levels of integrity, well, whoops, the reason that they uh, demonstrate that they'll follow through on any commitment they make is not because they expect you to give them a reward. They follow through on the commitments they make because it destroys their self-concept if they don't follow through, right? So, for example, if I say that I'm going to, even if I don't tell anyone, if I say I'm going to go to the gym every four times a week, right? And I consistently make excuses to myself and I go, okay, I'm actually going to go three times this week. Oh, I'm actually going to go two. Th-. You know what I'm saying? That that incongruity between your actions and your execution and your word messes with your own self-concept, Okay. So, like, if you always follow through on what you say you're going to do, then if you tell yourself, oh, I'm going to write a book, then that book will get written because you subconsciously believe that your word is law. The reason why integrity is such a critical and important thing to cultivate, especially as a male, especially as an adult, is because is not because you expect the world to reward you specifically for your for making some commitment verbally that is the that is again lacks integrity that is not actual integrity the reason why you follow through on your commitments a hundred percent of the time or follow through or at least honor your commitments because sometimes you know obviously reality has its you know sometimes things don't go your way right but you will always honor your commitments it's because your self-concept will be destroyed uh, destroyed if you don't if you don't follow through on your word then you subconsciously understand about yourself that you're not a person who follows through on their word and as such you'll make excuses as such you won't the outcomes that you're striving for will not manifest themselves because not just you but everyone around you everyone reality itself begins to obstruct you however you are consistently following through on your word reality begins to open up because you are a person who intrinsically on a on a metaphysical level is a person who follows through on what they say if that makes sense this is hard to explain to people who don't understand intrinsically that into the the crux of integrity so it might still be dubious it might still not get through to you but I, i i implore you to understand integrity is workability it's reliability it's uh follow through it's congruence okay if the integrity of a wheel is broken then the wheel is not useful anymore you see what i'm saying you can't get from a to b if if your the wheel on of of your vehicle is lacks integrity you see if if the integrity is damaged of a wheel you can't continue to move forward the integrity of your vehicle the integrity of yourself needs to be the thing you maintain above anything else once your your vessel is is at its highest point for integrity, then you will get to your ends. And this again is demonstrated time and time again in anime, and is one of the most appealing um, fascinations of it because all these characters, from day one, point blank, are like, "I will do X." Okay, and this is what makes Luffy, for example, in One Piece, one of the most interesting characters to ever watch. Because if you if you listen to what he says, he's like, "I'm gonna kick so and so's ass. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna save you. I'm gonna do works, whatever." And it doesn't matter what chaos ensues because he's a very chaotic character. He will do anything he can to make sure that that end happens. Same thing with Lelouch in Code Geass. Same thing with Kira or light in death mode. It's the same thing with Naruto. It's same. It's, it is a universal trait found in any anime whatsoever is that they say what they're going to do and they make it happen regardless of the situations that occur. Sometimes things don't go their way, but even if it doesn't go their way in the moment, they honor it and they make sure it happens. And this quality is so appealing and it, and it is missing from our society, especially when leftists like Marxist narratives, like, Oh, the, billionaires are sociopaths and that like that one that fucking narrative about how successful people are only successful because they're they're maliciously sociopathic and that they're Machiavellian that's the dumbest most fucking bugman shit I've ever heard and it is and it's that idea specifically that stops you from succeeding right and again I can speak on this again because I also obviously waver in integrity i i try to have these out on sundays and i don't always follow through and you know I, i'm only human but and but i am working on it i am making sure that even if this episode is late i will make sure it's happening and i will con- become 
more and more a person who maintains their integrity. I waver, but I I try not to, and I will continue to work until I never do. Right? Same exact thing. You know, this is what the the more that the idea of integrity is not understood as being a crux of masculinity is not a crux of not understood as being the crux of being an adult the the further we stray from the the way that society ought to be the natural order of things but um yeah I, I mean I think that point stands for itself and I think that if you if you don't understand what I'm talking about I strongly suggest you read One Piece or you read I think I mean One Piece is super long so I'm trying to think of a series that is shorter that gets the idea across I can't think of one right now but I uh, if you're if you're still not understanding the point I'm making I I, I implore you to to under to like to look into to either cultivate it on yourself maybe give yourself a week where it's like if you make a commitment you guarantee that you above anything else in your life commitment your ability to maintain integrity and to have that self-concept manifest will change fundamentally anything any everything that's going wrong in your life will fundamentally change and i can make that promise to you um but yeah that's it for this week be sure to like share subscribe if you enjoyed this episode please i i i would love to keep making this content um the more you share the more um more people listen to it the more ideas i get etc this it creates a feedback loop also please subscribe to the patreon um there are multiple tiers giving whatever you can will make will help this podcast succeed and then lastly um yeah i don't know actually i don't have anything else to say catch you guys later Come on.